Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. He was completely surrender your body as a living sacrifice. Completely surrendered as a living sacrifice unto God. Ephesians chapter 4, let's read together. I'll read out loud and you read silently as we begin in verse 22. Ephesians 4, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Let him who steals, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, performing with his own hands what is good in order that he may have something to share with him who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Paul told Timothy to give attention to the reading of the Scriptures. And so we need to do more Scripture reading publicly in our churches. Let's pray. Father, we come to you through the blood of the Lord Jesus, shed for us that perfect covering for our sin. Through the Word that was spoken and now written, that Word which is spirit and life, which is active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and able to, to penetrate and divide asunder, heart and soul and spirit, and judge the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. We've come to you, Father, through the order you've established from creation, and pray through the power of these three that you would drive away all forces of the enemy, and all world forces of this darkness, and all spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places, and that you would drive them through waterless places to the pit, and that you would hold them there through the authority of your hand, and slain by the sword of the word and rendered powerless by the blood of the Lamb, that your angelic host would surround this place every square foot to protect us from every attack of the enemy, that your Spirit would have complete liberty in our midst tonight to minister your Word to us in our very point of need, and that we would be instructed and built up in the Word, that we might go forth as your army here at Westside to live victoriously in obedient lives before the watching world, that we may be a light to a darkened generation, that we might show the love of Christ in everywhere that we move and have our being, that we might bring others to you, that your kingdom work might be advanced through your grace and the work of your Spirit within us. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight we come to number C under Roman numeral 2 in your outline, and that is reckon the old flesh powerless and to no effect. Because it was crucified with Christ on the cross. 
Turn to Romans chapter 6. Now we have discussed this in great detail on Wednesday nights. If you are not a part of our Wednesday night services, you're missing an opportunity to be instructed in the Word of God and to be built up in His Word. Uh, We spent a number of nights looking at this passage, but I wanted to not go through without touching on it because it is a very important truth in rebuilding strongholds for God. Romans 6, 6 says, Knowing this, that our old self, that is the indwelling sin, the sin nature, all those synonymous terms, was crucified with Him, that our body of sin might be done away with. That word done away means idle. It means to render inactive. It means to make it powerless. Why is it made powerless? He tells us that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 11, Even so, consider yourselves dead to sin, meaning separated from the power of sin in your life, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. And you take that stronghold area that we spoke about a few weeks ago and said, now, ask God to show you a stronghold in your life. We all have them. Ask Him to show you one, And let's begin to see God bring victory in that. Now, I told you last week two fictitious characters. One we called Katie, who had a stronghold of stealing that developed when she was a teenager, when she began to shoplift. The other was Sam, and he had a stronghold of immorality in his life that began in his teenage years when he began to look at pornography because some of the guys were encouraging him to do so, and then it developed into immoral and impure relationships with women. And now he is a grown man and still has this stronghold of immorality in his life. Now, what he needs to do is Sam needs to realize that this immorality has no power over him. Positionally, legally, it has no power. He has been separated from its power. It can only exercise power over him as he allows it to do so. And Satan being the master of deception would want Sam to think he has no choice. He has been a slave of this immorality for years, therefore he must continue to be a slave of it. He's tried to defeat it, he's tried to get victory over it in the past, but he has not been able to. And Satan wants to bring up, and you will not get victory over it. See, you never have. What makes you think you can now? And Sam must realize, hey, God says that my indwelling sin has been crucified with Christ. Therefore his power over me has been broken I can say no, and God has implanted me with the Spirit of of God that I have the desire to say no. And therefore He needs to say, I claim in the name of Jesus through His death my freedom and deliverance from this immorality. I claim my deliverance from this immorality through the death of Jesus Christ. Katie needs to claim her deliverance from that stronghold of stealing. Through her death with Jesus Christ on the cross. And that power of sin over her was broken. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. It is so important that we realize that sin no longer has dominion over us. As a believer, it has no dominion over you positionally. Legally, it can only exercise it as you allow it to do so. 
Therefore, we need to take our position in Christ and we need to walk in the victory that is ours already in Jesus. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 has some verses that bless my heart every time I read them because they show us the power of God to work in a person's life. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning with verse 9. Paul says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now that's not the part that blesses me. Verse 11 is the one that blesses me. All right. But you had to get to verse 11 and you had to read those verses to get the full impact. He says, and such were some of you. And he's writing to these church folks and he says, look, these folks aren't going to enter the kingdom and you were like some of these folks. But, praise God for that but, amen? But, you were washed. But, you were sanctified. But, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Spirit of our God. Now folks, that is deliverance. That is victory. He says, some of you are like this. Some of you were homosexual. Some of you were thieves. Some of you were drunkards. But God did something in your life. He washed you clean through the blood of Jesus Christ. Not only that, but He has sanctified you. He has set you apart in His Spirit. He has holified you. Not only that, but He has justified you. He has declared you right with Him. He has washed and cleansed and declared you right with Him. Therefore, you're not that way anymore. Hallelujah. You have changed. You are victorious now. These strongholds in your life have been broken down. You're not walking in these sins anymore. So praise God. We must understand that victory that is already ours in the Lord Jesus. And that through our identification with Him on the cross, as we have died with Him and been resurrected with Him in that resurrection life. Now, a fourth thing we need to do is we need to do scriptural studies, particularly concerning your stronghold area. You remember Ephesians 4, 23 talks about having our minds renewed. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, you go to the scriptures to do that. And you need to do scriptural studies that deal in particular with the stronghold area. For instance, Kate, who has a stronghold of stealing, needs to do a scriptural study of God's goodness. J.I. Packer, a tremendous theologian and man of God, in his book, Knowing God, some of you have probably read it. If you hadn't, you need to get it and read it. He says the reason a Christian falls into sin is because he has an inadequate understanding of the character of God in that area of his life. He says when you really understand the character of God, that's tremendous victory over the temptation for sin. You see, Kate steals because she doesn't understand the goodness of God. She doesn't really understand that God's goodness says, Kate, you have everything that I want you to have that's good for you. 
Kate thinks, I don't have everything I need. I don't have everything that's good for me. Therefore, I've got to go out and take it. If she'll understand that God has promised He'll withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly, and if she understands that God is good, and therefore if I don't have it, it's because it's not beneficial for me to have it, then she won't desire to steal because she'll know, hey, I don't need that thing. It's not even good for me to have it. So she needs to do a scriptural study of God's goodness. Sam needs to do a scriptural study of God's holiness, that God is holy because he's involved in moral impurity. He needs to do a scriptural study of God's love, that God is love. He has a faulty understanding of love. If he can treat someone as an object of his pleasure, he doesn't understand true love. If your stronghold is in the area of bitterness or unforgiving spirit or hatred or revenge, you need to study God's love. If it's an area of pride, you need to study God's knowledge and the humility of Christ. If it's an area of worry or fear or unbelief, you need to study God's faithfulness. You know, we worry because we don't really understand God's faithfulness, do we? I mean, if we really understood God's faithfulness, we understood God's omnipotence, why would we worry? We wouldn't. You know what I have in my, in my study? Uh, a couple of years ago, National Geographic, had the, they offered these maps. And they had this one map of the known universe. Okay? And you have to see this map to appreciate it. But basically, it has our solar system in one part of the map. And then it takes our solar system and draws it down and puts it in a larger section. And you see how small it really is in the larger section. And it takes this larger section and puts it into a still larger section, shows how small it is. And then it goes to the whole known universe. And what you see is when you look at that is you realize, man, I mean, this planet is so, so minutely small compared to all the universe. I mean, it's smaller than a grain of sand is in comparison to this whole world is our world to this universe, and you realize God created all of that, and He can't handle my problem? I mean, He can't handle what's going on at Westside, and He did all of this? And when I find myself getting overly concerned and being tempted to worry about my problem, thinking my problem is just too big, I just reflect on that map and see how great my God is, and I think, it's ridiculous. Of course He can handle it. Of course He is able, because He is a great God. So we need to study the truth about God. If, if your problem is deception and lying, you need to study God's truth, that God is truth. If it's guilt, you need to study God's forgiveness and that God is merciful and that God is filled with loving kindness. So whatever area your stronghold is in, you need to go to the Scriptures and study the character of God that deals with that particular stronghold and also study Scriptures that relate to that stronghold. If I had a problem with feeling guilty all the time, man, I would just go to the Scriptures and study about the forgiveness of God and about the blood of Jesus and and God's love and all of these things to just bathe myself in the Word and renew my mind in this area. Next thing you need to do, number five, is lay aside the old self and put on the new. Ephesians chapter 4. Lay aside the old self and put on the new. Now Ephesians 4, I think Paul is basically talking about this in this passage. 
And you know what that basically means? It means stop doing the things you are doing wrong and start doing the right things. I mean, that's what it basically means. Again, he says, let those who steal, stop stealing. Verse 28. Not only do you stop stealing, but you see you add something to it. Again, God's never for the vacuum. He doesn't say just leave, stop something, leave a vacuum, but you do something positive. Stop stealing. That's negative. Stop it. Positive, start working. Not only start working, but start giving something to the poor. You see? Don't let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. Not only stop talking in a way that is, that is degrading, in a way that, that is unwholesome, a way that is rotten, but start saying good things. Start saying things that build people up. You see, he always adds something positive. Uh, stop this, but start doing this. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. And what do you do positive? And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has forgiven you. So lay aside the old self. Stop doing those sinful practices. You can. With the power of God, you can stop. And then start doing what is right and what is good. You see, don't just stop the bad, that leaves a vacuum, but start doing the good as well. Start doing what is right. Now the next step is to control your emotions. Control your emotions. Now this is very, very important. You see, the problem is most people allow their emotions to control them. God's way is for you not to be controlled by your emotions, but for you to control them. Now look at your outline, because I have under there God's best. God's best, God's desire for you to operate is this way. Your mind filled with God's thoughts, plus your will submitted to the Lord, will equal how you act and what you do. And then your emotions will come later. Most people operate from their emotions first, how they feel about something. And that affects the way they think about it. And then that affects what they decide to do. And their actions are determined by that. It's like the person who says, you know, I know I ought to go to church today, but I just don't feel like it. I'm just tired. Now, is that person operating by number one or number two? Number two, you know. I mean, their mind says, well, you know, I know I should go to church, but you know, I'm just tired. I just don't feel like it today. I just don't think I'll go. We allow our moods to affect the way we think. You know, like the girl who falls in love with a non-Christian guy. And she comes and you talk to her and you show her where the Bible says, Be not unequally yoked. Do not be joined together with unbelievers. She knows it. It's right there in the Word. I mean, she can't deny it's there. I mean, I've had them try to say what well, doesn't mean that, but it's there. I mean, I've even had them call different preachers until they found one that said it doesn't mean that. Then they come back to me and say, well, see, I found a preacher that said it doesn't mean that. I say, well, honey, it still means it. And if you want him to marry you, that's your business, but it still means it. You can find every preacher in the world that says it doesn't mean it, but it means it. It's too clear. But you see, her heart was controlling, not her mind. Her heart was controlling her. And therefore, she was motivated and moving out of her emotions, not out of her mind controlled by the, filled with the Word of God and her will controlled by the 
Spirit of God. And so we must learn to act out of our mind, being filled with the thoughts of God, our will submitted to the Word of God. Jesus operated that way. When Jesus acted, He acted because He knew it was the will of God for Him to do it because of the Word of God, and His will was submitted to the will of the Father. Therefore, He acted. I'm going to give you two examples to show it. Look over in Matthew chapter 21. Now, if we spent a week on this, every night we came back together and we talked about this for a week, we would not be talking about it too much. I mean, folks, this is crucial. I see so many people who are operating out of emotion, not out of their mind being filled with the thoughts of God, their will submitted to the will of God, and therefore acting because of that. I hear so many people acting because they feel a certain way, or they in a certain mood, and therefore they act that way. But if we're ever going to walk the consistent, victorious Christian life, we must learn God's way of operation. Your mind filled with the thoughts of God. Your will submitted to the Lordship of Christ. And then you act because you know it's what God wants you to do. Don't care how you feel. Your feelings aren't important at all. They are not important. I mean, this stuff just follows your heart, folks. That's garbage. The heart is deceitfully wicked, the Bible says. You can't follow your heart because you don't even know your own heart, the Bible says. And our emotions change so much. I mean, I bet every lady in this room has a dress in their closet right now that they wouldn't wear for the world, but they bought it one day to wear. And they wanted to wear it that day. And us guys, probably the same thing can be said about us. You know, one day you want it, you think this would be great, you buy it, a week, a month, two months later, a year later, man, I wish I didn't have that thing. You know, I want to sell this thing, I want to get rid of it. Our emotions change. We should never be governed by that. Now look over in Matthew 21. This is when Jesus cleared out the temple. 21-12. And Jesus entered the temple and cast out all those who were buying and selling in the temple. And overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. Now I've heard people say, man, Jesus lost it there. He lost his temper. He went in and he got mad and he tore the place up. See, Jesus lost his temper. It's okay to lose your temper. He didn't lose his temper. (laughs) You know what he was doing? He was operating because his mind knew what the thoughts of God were about this situation. His will was submitted to the will of the Father Therefore, he knew what to do. He was acting out of a mind controlled and filled with the thoughts of God. You know that because look what it says in verse 13. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. See? He said, The reason I've done this is because you are violating Scripture here. This is against the Word of God. So Jesus, knowing the mind of God, because he knew the Word of God knew what he should do. Mind filled with the Word of God, plus a will submitted to the Lordship of God, you will act accordingly. Didn't say any of his emotions were involved in it at all. Now let me give you another example that may even amaze you more. Look over in John 19. Now if there's ever a time you think a person might be motivated or might be controlled by their emotions would be in their dying moments especially after they had been beaten and uh, mocked and spit upon uh, and hung on a cross. 
I mean, you think, well, hey, man, he deserves let his emotions take over, right? And I've had a hard day. Don't give me a hard time. Man, it's been rough today. Therefore, I can act ugly if I want to, right? You know, I've had a rough day. I have a right to act ugly. i got a right to come in and be a grouch because I've had a rough day, right? That's what we think, isn't it? And that's operating by emotions, isn't it? All right, look at Jesus now. Hanging on a cross, folks. But He still wants to act out of His mind, being filled with the Word of God, the thoughts of God, His will submitted to the will of God. Matthew, excuse me, John 19, look at verse 28. And after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished, in order that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was standing there, so they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop, and brought it up to his mouth. There Jesus was, dying on a cross, bearing the weight of the guilt of the sins of his people. And he knows that everything has been accomplished except one thing. Psalm 69 says that they will give him vinegar. And therefore, in order that the word of God might be fulfilled, his mind filled with the thoughts of God, his will submitted to the will of the Father, he says, I am thirsty. So that the Word of God will be fulfilled. Now, that, my folks, is a man submitted to God. That is our pattern. To have our minds so filled with the Scriptures of God, our will so submitted to the Lordship of Christ, that when we see what the Scripture says, then we act. And we don't worry about emotions. That's why... Everything we do at home, everything we do at church must be based on the Word of God. We must go and see, well, what does God say about it? I mean, if I want my mind to be filled with the thoughts of God, and I want my every action to be in agreement with God, then I've got to go say, what does God say? Let me find out what God says. Then I'll know what to do. Because if I have my will submitted to the Lordship of Jesus then I want to do that. Once I determine what that is, I want to do it. And that's the way it ought to be in our families. That's the way it ought to be in our personal life. That's the way it must be in His church. What does the will of God, revealed in the Word of God, tell us? And then we have submitted ourselves already to Him. Therefore, we know what to do. And emotions come and go. Who cares? Don't get hung up on them. Don't get hung up. Let emotions come as God would give them. For instance... Your mind says, I am to forgive. Therefore, I will act forgiving. And then you go out and you act forgiving toward this person that's offended you. And you don't worry about the emotions. You don't worry about if you feel forgiveness for that person or not. That's not the point. That's immaterial. Your heart will change slowly. But because you have submitted your mind to the authority of Scripture, and God says forgive, there's no question in your mind He says that. He never says, hold a grudge. Never. He never says, well, you just hold back and you be mean toward them for a little while. Make them pay for it. You know, they deserve it. They did that to you and they need to suffer a little bit first. Never says that, does he? He says, when he says, I repent, forgive him. He comes back 70 times 70. You forgive him. Well, you say, but I don't want to. That's not the point. The point is he says it You've submitted your will to Him. 
Therefore, you act forgiving, trusting Him for the grace to do so, and the heart comes later. Kate says, God says, Thou shalt not steal. She's bringing her mind in line with the Word of God. Her will is submitted to God. I will not steal. And therefore, she goes out and she does not steal. No matter whether she wants it or not, she does not act according to her emotion. God says, I am to act lovingly. Therefore, I will act lovingly. And then you go out and you act lovingly. Sam's situation, he says, God says, Thou shalt not commit adultery. That is the mind of God. I have submitted my will to God. Sam says, Therefore, I will not commit immorality anymore. And he does not. He goes out and reframes and does not commit immorality. Not because he doesn't want to or isn't tempted to. That's not the point. He's being controlled by his mind, which is filled with the Word of God, his will submitted to the authority of Christ, and then he acts accordingly. So make that, more. memorize this. If you put it somewhere, and when you find yourself operating out of emotion, say, wait a minute, hey, it doesn't matter what I feel in this situation. The only question is, what does God say? And then let's act that way. Well, that brings us to the next point, which is control your thoughts. Control your mind. Because you see, if you're going to operate out of your mind, not out of your emotions, you've got to make sure your thoughts are right. Because wrong thoughts will lead to wrong actions. Right? So you've got to make sure your thoughts are the thoughts that God wants you to have. You must control your mind. You see, wrong thoughts like Kate thinks, well, you know, I need this thing that I don't have. And... I want it, and I even deserve to have it. You know, God just for some reason hadn't given it to me, but I deserve to have it. Therefore, I want it. Therefore, I will go out and get it. And then it leads to sinful action. Now, she started from the right place with her mind, but her mind didn't have the right thoughts. Sam says in his mind, well, you know, I'm just a man, and God made me this way, and... and These are just natural biological urges that I have. Therefore, I'll just go ahead and God will forgive me anyway. But now he started out in his mind, but he had the wrong thoughts. So must we not only control our emotions, but we must control our thoughts as well. That's why we must have that renewed mind that Scripture talks about. In Romans 12, 2 and Ephesians 4, 23, we must... Not allow our thoughts to be the wrong thoughts, but we must replace the thoughts of God. Kate must say, God has said, No good thing will He withhold from those who fear Him. Therefore, I will not take it. Sam must say, God says in His Word, His will for me is my holiness. And I abstain from sexual immorality. Therefore, I will not be involved in immorality. Mind controlled by the thoughts of God, a will submitted to the Lordship of God, equals the proper actions. And then emotions come later. So control your thoughts as well. And then the next step is pray for the Holy Spirit to fill the stronghold area. Pray for the Holy Spirit to fill it. You have seen it broken down through the power of God. Now say, Blessed Spirit of God, come and fill this area. I want you to have it totally... Absolutely. 
I mean, this is your area. I don't want a vacuum there. I want you to be in control moment by moment in this area of my life as well as every area of my life. And in so doing, you are positioning Him in that area of your life, surrendering that area to Him and for His control. And therefore, the enemy has no rights to come into that area anymore. And then finally, keep your sins confessed up to date. Again, unconfessed sin is the first step in a stronghold being built up. And Satan is not going to give up easily. You have victory. You're rebuilding this stronghold for God, but Satan's not going to give up. He wants to harass you. He wants to keep your energies tied up in fighting against him and fighting against sin. He wants to make you miserable. And so as soon as, if you sin in this area, just as soon as you do, you need to bring it before God. You need to say, God, I've blown it. I have sinned in this, but I repent of it. I turn away from it. I confess it. I don't want it in my life. I claim your forgiveness over this sin in my life, and I claim the power of Christ in this area, afresh and anew. And then you go back and find out where you slipped. Maybe your mind, your thoughts were not right. Maybe you were not spending enough time in the Word. You go back and say, why did I fall here? Why did I trip? And you seek to reestablish that ground for God taking these principles and making sure you apply them step by step. Now, if we will do this, again, we will see victory in our lives, consistent victory in our lives. But it doesn't come immediately usually. It's a gradual thing. We stop the sin immediately. But the breaking down of the stronghold and the rebuilding it for God may take months. Depends on how ingrained it is. But the victory is ours. It is ours. We don't have to go out and get the victory. We already have it. And we can be the obedient people of God. We'll take His truth and apply it in our life. Lord willing, next week we'll begin to look at some more of the strategies of Satan. Let's pray. Father, I do pray that we would, as your people, be a people that walk in agreement with your word. For you have said in your word, how can two walk together unless they agree? And how can we agree unless your word is our agreement? May we submit our minds to the authority of your word, our wills to the lordship of Christ, that our actions might be pleasing to you. Help us not to be motivated by our emotions, but by your spirit, energizing us through your word. For we know it is you who wills and works in us to your good pleasure. In Jesus' name, amen.